There we go. Title of our lesson this morning, Building Up What Was Broken Down. I'll just do this kind of quickly and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about military basic training in just a moment as we think about these people coming back into the land. The military breaks a person down, then builds them back up. God also remakes his people and breaks them down and builds them back up. So this morning we're going to take a look at the context from Ezra, the third chapter. And we're going to focus on the way God does that. And God builds up through association. He builds up through worship. And he builds up by laying a foundation for them to build on. So the context of Ezra 3, and I'll back up to that introduction just a little bit as we kind of jump into this. I read an article not long ago in regards to military basic training. And it said that in basic training, it is difficult intentionally because the purpose is to transform the individual. So the military sort of wants to take that soldier to break them down and to remake them, so to speak, build them back up again to make them stronger. It involves some very stressful challenges and training and discipline, emotional and intellectual for development. But in the end, the person becomes stronger. And it's been said in some ways basic training can be compared to the way God deals with his people at times. I would turn that around and say basic training in the military reflects what God does sometimes, not God reflecting military training. I wanted to read to you from Philippians, the third chapter. And I want you to think about this in these regards. The way a person is to begin with, and then what they become as they become a Christian, and the way in which that changes them. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to begin at verse 4, read down through verse 8. Paul says, Though also I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted for loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things for loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Jesus Christ. Paul will say over in 2 Corinthians 12, which we're coming up on very soon, he says, when I am weak, then I'm strong. So what the military does, and what God does with us, sometimes, as Paul is mentioning in Philippians chapter 3, as I looked at myself, as I looked at my own personal accomplishments, I thought I was something. But then I came to realize, not so much. And so Paul says then, he changed his perspective. I don't rely on me as much. I rely on Jesus Christ. So now when I am weak in the sense, I don't rely on me. Then I become strong 
because I rely upon Jesus Christ. Ezra, the third chapter, is what we're going to take a look at. We'll take a look at chapter verses 1 through 13. But as we jump into this this morning, I just want to mention the context because I know everyone here is not familiar with the book of Ezra. And Brian mentioned that that's where we've been studying. But I would say this. If you want to study in the book of Ezra, you better hurry up and get here. Because <laughs> we're not going to be there long. In fact, uh, it kind of divides up into 1 through 6 and 7 through 10. And we talked about 7 through 10 last week. And we're going to soon be moving on to Nehemiah. But we might pause just because it went so quickly in our workbook, and take a look, a little further look at Ezra. But Ezra chapter 3, it's the Jews returning back to their homeland, which we have been studying, and they'd been carried away into captivity. We know that because we studied First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. But they had come out of Egyptian bondage, ragtag, bunch of slaves came to the foot of Mount Sinai and entered into a covenant relationship with God. They were now God's people. And at Sinai, God gave them the law. God gave them feast days. He gave them sacrifice. He gave them the priesthood. And through all of that, you know what God was doing? He was bringing him into their lives. Starting from that point, they had been broken down in slavery. And now God was building them up and was going to make of them a great nation. And He gave them the law. And He gave them worship. Gave them sacrifice. Gave them feast days. He gave them each other. And He shaped them, mold them into a great nation. And we studied that too didn't we? under King David and under Solomon. What a nation they became. But what happened was they turned away. And whenever they turned away, then they started to break down. Until the point came where God allowed them to be carried away into captivity. And if you ever said that you don't really miss something until it's gone. Well, in Psalms 137, this is a psalm about their condition when they've been carried away into Babylonian captivity. And they're thinking back to the times that they had before when they were that great nation. And all that they enjoyed in the relationship with God and all that He had done for them. I want to read to you from Psalms 137 and verses 1 through 4. This is now, they have been carried into Babylonian captivity and they're remembering what it was like when they were back in Jerusalem and back to the glory days. Verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth. 
saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And we answered, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You see what's going on there? They are now captive in Babylon, sitting by the rivers. And their captors come along and they say, Hey, why don't you play us a song? Why don't you tell us about your God? Why don't you tell us about the glory days back in Zion, but don't you forget where you are now? You're being held captive. And they say, how can we sing in a foreign land? So God allowed them to be disciplined. When they forgot Him, He allowed them to be disciplined. And to be carried away into Babylonian captivity. But now in Ezra, they're coming back. They're coming back to the land. And this is where they're going to build. Where God is going to lead them in rebuilding that relationship that they had with Him. He's going to bring His self back into their lives. And He's going to show us how He does that. So first of all, that's the context. Secondly, I got four points today, but I want to tell you as we move along, I'm going to go quick through four points. Normally I have three, and you're probably thinking four. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to do this really quick. God builds up through association. I want to read from Ezra chapter 3 at verse 1. And when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, <clears throat> the people gathered together, as one man to Jerusalem. <clears throat> so as they returned, they gathered together as one. They're coming back to this land and God wants those who have returned, His people, He wants them to associate. He wants them to be together. One writer said it this way, that from the very beginning they began to practice unity. And then he went on to describe unity. And he did it this way. He said, first of all, union has affiliation with others, but there's no common bond. Union has affiliation." But those who participate don't have a common heart. He said uniformity has everyone looking and talking alike, but it's all superficial. Unanimity is general agreement across the board. But unity is oneness of heart, oneness in purpose, oneness in their bond for God and oneness in their bond for each other. Unity. And he's saying that God is rebuilding their unity. So as they come back to the land, verse 1 says that they gather as one. It was a sense of community that was being restored Focused on God and focused on one another. 
In verse 1, it says they came together as one. In verse 2, it says, as it is written in the law. And in verse 4, it says, as it is written according to the ordinance. There's where their common bond is. They're coming together as one. And they are focusing on God. And they're focusing on His law. And focusing on His ordinances. A sense of community. A sense of purpose. A sense of God's word again. And that would help to make them stronger. And that would help them to overcome negative influences around them. I want you to notice verse 3. It says, Though fear had come upon them because of the people of those countries, they set the altar on its basis and they offered burnt offerings to the Lord. Both the morning and evening burnt offerings. God bringing them back. Helping them to become what He wants them to be. And He wants them to see the importance of being together. And He says because of the fear of those around Him. You ever seen that happen? Have you ever been hindered by fear of those around you? When a person first becomes a Christian, we've talked about this previously, you don't always have friends that are going to support you in that decision, do you? In fact, some of them may ridicule you because of the choice that you have made. Sometimes it can be friends, sometimes it can be family, sometimes it can be co-workers. Here these people are. They're coming back. They realize what they have done in the past. It didn't work. (laughs) You left God. (laughs) You left worship of Him. You left serving Him. How did that work out for you? Well, now they're saying, well, that didn't work out so good. So now they have been given the choice. Cyrus has allowed them to return their homeland. They come back. The first thing they do is to set up the altar to begin sacrifice unto God. They come together as one. But does that mean it's all good? No, it ain't all good. Because those around them, it says that they do this because they fear them. You know what that tells us? That whenever striving to serve God, it's important for us to have for us to have a sense of us. Who else do I have that's striving to do the same thing that I'm doing? I remember a long time ago. When I became a Christian, and I can tell you this, prior to my becoming a Christian, (laughs) I was not a Christian. (laughs) And the people that I associated with (laughs) clearly were not Christians. And when I finally did decide, they didn't all say, Way to go. (laughs) In fact, they were saying things like, you're doing what? (laughs) 
And why are you doing that? And you need it. I need it. To be around others that were doing the same thing. Because there were plenty that were saying, don't do that. (laughs) So it's important for us to see the benefits of us. Hebrews, the 10th chapter and verse 24. See, because we've heard Hebrews 10 and verse 25 plenty of times, haven't we? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. But don't forget verse 24. Where it says, let us consider one another. To stir up one another. To love and good works. He's saying that's the reason why you come together. Because you're trying to stir up, encourage one another towards love and good works. Do you remember what Paul said over in Ephesians chapter 2 and about verse 10? Talking about those who are Christians, he says, You are his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works. Come together. Do what God says. Stir up one another. Encourage one another towards love and good works. So the very first thing that they do, set up that altar. They begin to sacrifice and they come together. See, I told you round point number three already. Ezra chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Then Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and his brethren arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Though fear had come upon them because of the, those pe- because of the people of those countries, They set the altar on its bases, and they offered burnt offerings to the Lord, both morning and evening burnt offerings. So the priest, as Rubble, the one that led them back, so they reconstruct the altar of burnt offerings. First thing. And the altar was set up on the foundation of the old altar in front of Solomon's temple. Now stop and think about that for a moment. Babylon came. And when they came, they destroyed the city. They destroyed the temple. They tore down the walls. They leveled it, so to speak. And then they were carried away for 70 years. And so now when they come back, they set up the altar so that they might be able to offer sacrifices. But we're told that they have set up on the very same location, on the very same foundation of where the altar, the altar of burnt offerings was there before. So let me ask you, do you think it's just coincidental that they set it up in the exact same location on the foundation where it was before? 
Or do you think it's recorded with intent and why it was set up like that? It says that they went back, set it up on the same foundation, and they offered up these sacrifices according to the law. When was the law given? The law was given about 1500 B.C. You know what time it is now? This is 536 B.C. It's been well over 900 years. And after 900 years and they're returning back to Jerusalem, you know what most people would do? Well, anywhere close around here is fine, isn't it? (laughs) We're kind of in the general vicinity. Let's just set it up someplace. No, it says they set it up on the same location. And when they got ready to offer these sacrifices, they went all the way back to the law and the way it was given according to Moses. You know what that's saying? You want to rebuild your life? You want to rebuild? You come all the way back to God. You come all the way back to His law. And so we've studied this, right? What happened to this nation? God had promised from the Abraham, Genesis, the 12th chapter, that He was going to make of them a great nation. And we followed that story, didn't we? And He made them of a great nation. In fact, other nations were coming from far off to see just how great it was. He did exactly as He promised. Why did that nation fall? Because they left God. We studied that too, didn't we? And the very first command is what? I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods besides me. And what did they do? They abandoned him. And they changed worship. And they changed the way they sacrificed. And they changed the feast days. They changed all. They changed the priesthood. Remember that? And so now it's time to rebuild. And they come back to the law. Come back to what God gave. They restore the altar. They restore the sacrifices. They're restoring worship the way God gave it. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods. So they come back to Him. Do you remember when Jesus told John to write to the seven churches of Asia? Do you remember when he wrote to the church at Ephesus? And do you remember what he told them to write? You've left your first love. That they were told to return and do the deeds which they did at first. 
Doesn't that sound applicable? The church at Ephesus was slipping away. And he said, you need to come back to your first love. What happened to Israel? They left their first love. And we talked all about Jeroboam, didn't we? He changed the place of worship. He changed the sacrifices. He changed the priesthood. He changed the days. He changed everything. If you want to rebuild your life, your relationship with God, you come back to your first love. And the way you come back to your first love is to come back and say, I'll do it the way you say, Lord. And that's way short. Verses 4 through 6. They also kept the Feast of Tabernacles as it is written. And they offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by the ordinance for each day. Afterwards, they offered the regular burnt offering and those for the new moons and for all the appointed feasts of the Lord that were consecrated and those of everyone who willingly offered a free will, free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. So they came back. They're offering sacrifice. Now they're starting to keep the feast days. And they're telling themselves they're telling the nations around them we're coming back to that one true God and that's who we're going to serve so in the midst of the ruins and under an open sky they worship the God of heaven and that's significant because they came together set up the altar and they worship. You know what that's telling us? Right out there in front of the world and everybody else I'm going to worship God. Can we see that? And can we see that sometimes people don't do that? I'd have to tell you honestly. When I first became a Christian, there were times I wasn't really advertising it. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't feel that strong. What's this thing? Verse 3, they were afraid of those other nations round about. But it says they set up that altar. And when they came back to this city, there wasn't any temple there. The altar wasn't even there. The walls weren't there. So everyone could see exactly what's going on and what they were doing. It says they were afraid. They were intimidated. 
And sometimes that's the way it is, right? Somebody may see me doing it. Do you remember the pandemic? Wasn't that long ago, right? And all of a sudden, everybody disappeared. Satan was happy with that, right? In fact, government was happy with that, right? Don't you come together. You think there's a reason why God wants us to come together? I think there is. Because He wants the rest of the world to see I have people who follow me. This is what they believe and they're not intimidated. They're going to come and worship. And that's what's happening there. But it's important for them to be together because they need that support from one another. It's us coming together in front of God and the world and I'm going to serve Him. Laying that foundation. Verses 8 through 11. Now, in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Shittil, Jeshua, the son of Josedach, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all who has come out of captivity to Jerusalem, began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee, uh, to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua, with his sons and brothers, Kadmiel, with his sons and the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God, the sons of Hinnadad, with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Aspha, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. A little celebration, isn't it? They have come back. They've set up the altar. They've started to sacrifice. They've got past that fear of those around. And they're observing feast days. And now they're taking the next step. Lay that foundation. Let's build that temple. You know one of the things that I think is really interesting about all of that? When Cyrus gave the decree that they could return. He said, let all of his people go up and let them build. Let them build the temple. So they kind of focused on that. Let's go. God says, build the temple. But isn't it interesting that as they focus on their return and as they're focusing on we've got to rebuild that temple. Isn't it kind of interesting what's happening along the way? God's rebuilding them. Can we see that? 
you make a determination to leave that old life behind. You come to me through sacrifice, coming together, focusing on, going to serve the Lord, and at the same time, what God is doing is He's serving you. He's rebuilding your life. He's rebuilding your strength. And He's giving you others to work with you. But build that temple. And see, previously, when the temple was originally built, that's when God's presence descended upon and it filled that temple. And now it says that the Levites are supervising this work that they are doing. And so we ask ourselves, how do we rebuild? How do we rebuild our life if we've been, if it's been broken down? I'm going to read to you from Matthew, the seventh chapter. It's familiar words to many of us. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. There's the foundation. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended the floods came the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall So they built with the Levites supervising according to the law. Can you see that? Building on God's foundation. Nothing else. Building on His way. You know, Paul talks to 1 Corinthians, we said this a while back, how there's no other foundation that can be laid other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is saying in the Sermon on the Mount, to build on Him, to build on His Word. That's the wise man who builds his house on the rock. But in 1 Corinthians 6, he talks about how their lives were contaminated by other things and by sin. And if that continues to happen, then you can't build the way God wants you to build. So you have to build, as Jesus says, on His Word. That's what makes an individual strong. That's what makes a group strong. 
Now I'm going to give you a little illustration. Colby probably knows this. It's one of those history illustrations, Colby. Following the Civil War, in about December, about this time of year, 1865, they came together and they ratified the 13th Amendment. 13th Amendment was outlawing slavery. Most all of the states came together and they ratified that. Made it a part of their state constitution. But there was a holdout. One state, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to look at it. There was one state that held out. Wouldn't ratify it. You know how long they held out? February 16th, 1995. The state finally ratified. One of the legislatures said, it's important for us to put the past behind us. Individually, as a state, put the past behind us. Collectively, as a nation, to put the past behind us. That's what they are doing in Ezra. God's wanting these individuals as they come back. Yes, He's going to rebuild this nation. But individually... You got to put the past behind you so that collectively you can build together and put the past behind you. Don't make those mistakes anymore. Ezra chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 now. But many of the priests and the Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, They wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many stood and shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. As you read down through that context, what's taking place is they've been gone for 70 years. There are some who are returning that they are old enough that they saw the first temple and how glorious it was. And now they've returned and this one is not nearly as big. (laughs) Not nearly as impressive. And it says the old men, they weep out loud. (laughs) But the young people, because there were many who were born in Babylonian captivity, They had only heard the stories about the glory days. And now they have come back to the land and finally the foundation is being laid and they're shouting for joy. We're on our way back. And so there's weeping. And then there's shouting for joy. And so there's two dangers that are there. And they both come from the past. 
Because see, the older ones might look at that and say, it's not nearly as glorious. And they might be discouraged. And they might just give up. I'll do Psalm 73 one of these days. It's very interesting. That's a psalm by Aspa. He is the music leader. And we'll see what he has to say. But some of these older ones, they see this and they say, why keep working? (laughs) I'm ready to just give up. And then there's the younger ones. And they're saying, forget the past. This is good. Let's get going. Is there any danger in that? Yeah, there is. Because sometimes in our zeal, we can forget the past. And it's as someone once said, if you don't know where you came from, there's a good chance you may not know where you're going. (laughs) And that's exactly the truth here. The older ones should have realized You made mistakes in the past, but God's given you a second chance. And it's repeated over and over that they build according to the law. And the young ones in their zeal, let's get going, let's build. (laughs) Young ones, you've got to remember the lessons from the past. We need the zeal of young people. We do. But we need the experience and wisdom of older people. Sometimes you live long enough to say, yeah, I remember the mistakes we made. And so both groups can learn from that. So Ezra 3 is about a new beginning. And it's about individuals. And it's about a nation. And them coming and rebuilding and restoring what had been broken down. But God's going to build them back. And if they listen, He'll make it even better. I like the way one fellow summarized this. He said, we can talk about the past and we can talk about the future, but God builds in the present. Isn't that true? (laughs) We can talk about the past and we can think about the future. The God builds now. Come together. Set up the altar of God in your heart. Build His temple individually, collectively. Ezra 3, 1 through 13. I'm going to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. If you've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Himself said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If we can help you in any way, you let us know. While together we stand.